moments is going to be from Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 4. We'll get there in here in just a moment this morning. I'm continuing on our road trip. We started a few weeks ago on a road trip this summer, a road trip with Jesus. And I have enjoyed as we preached about the two disciples who were on the road to Emmaus and they found that Jesus was and is alive. Do you still believe he's alive? And he is our resurrected Savior, our resurrected Lord, the centerpiece of our faith. Christ is risen. And I loved how they said to each other after Jesus had departed from them on the road to Emmaus that day, they said, oh, how what? Our heart burned within us as he spoke the word to us. And then last week, as we went to a place called the Mount of Olives and we watched Jesus as he ascended into heaven, And the good news about the ascension is it means that Jesus is now in his rightful place at the right hand of the Father, making an intercession, a mediation for you and for me. But not only that, because he went to the Father, he said, I'm going to send to you another comforter, the promise, the Holy Spirit. And today we are going to exit off into an upper room and we're going to preach about that promise Of the Holy Spirit. But before that, there was one other thing that we learned last week about the ascension of Christ, and that was this. After he ascended into the clouds, what did the two men standing there, the two angels standing there, what did they say to the crowd? They said, Why stand you here gazing into the clouds? For this same Jesus, who you have seen go away, shall come again in like manner. Do we believe Jesus is coming again? He is coming again. I am not looking for an answer to come from the government or from the schools or from society or from the marketplace. I'm not looking for the solution from any of those places. I am looking for a Savior, Jesus Christ, who is coming again. And he is our hope in these troubled days. Keep our eyes fixed upon the clouds, he is coming again. Now, I can't preach that sermon again this morning, but I, I kind of feel like I could right about now. He is coming again. Can somebody say amen? But this morning on our road trip, I want us to take a little exit into an upper room. You see, I want us to get off of the road that we are on right now. And I want us to take exit number one. Now, what is the road that we are on today? If I were to preach about the road that this world around us seems to be on today, I would use words like fear. We are on a road filled with fear, uncertainty. We are on a highway of a lot of judgment. People are judging each other You wear a mask. You don't wear a mask. Isn't there a divisiveness in our world today? We're on a road that is filled with injustices and divisions. We're on a road that is filled with confusion. Are you like me that during these times, sometimes we don't really know what to do? Sometimes we really don't know what to say. 
Some of the things that I would have used to have said now are offensive to other people. What do we say? What do we do? We are on a highway of confusion. We're on a highway that is filled with hidden agendas. Don't you think for one moment that there are not people in this world today that are trying to work their hidden agendas to bring about things that are anti-Christ? and anti the church, and anti the moving of God. But I wanna stop right here and remind us that God will not be stopped. God's plan will be fulfilled, and God's church will triumph. Do you believe that this morning? We're on a highway of physical illness. This COVID-19 virus, this coronavirus that we don't fully understand, there is no vaccination for, and thus we find ourselves as a society on a highway that is filled with an incurable illness. But I still serve a Savior who heals all diseases. We find ourselves on a highway filled with racism and hate. And we find ourselves on a highway that is filled with economic uncertainty. And if we would let ourselves look at the uncertainty of the economics, it could drive us into a worrisome state. You see, we need to get off of this highway. Do you know that there's even a change shortage right now? Can you believe that? Why would that even happen We are on uncertain territory, but there is an exit I want us to take this morning. There is an exit that I'm calling exit number one. And what is this exit, pastor? It is a place, hear me, a place that has been determined by Jesus. He has programmed it into our GPS, if you will. He wants us to go to this place, and it is a destiny of great promise. It is a destiny filled with great power and it is a destiny that is filled with great potential. You see, I don't have to drive on this highway that this world is traveling on. I'm going to take an exit and I hope that you will take this exit with me. Well, let's look at it, please. Acts chapter one, starting at verse number four. I feel like preaching this morning. I hope you packed a breakfast buffet today. Verse four, look at it. And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart. Don't you leave Jerusalem. You have exited off here. You are in this place called Jerusalem. I want you to stay here. But wait for the promise. The promise is the Holy Spirit. Wait for the Holy Spirit of the Father, which he said you have heard of me. Jesus had already talked to them about the Holy Spirit. He had called him the helper. He had called him the comforter. Here he calls him the promise. He said, you need to wait for him that you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Lord has put in his own authority. Here it is, verse 8. Here's the exit. Here's what I want you focusing on. Here's where I want you to go. But you shall receive power. Someone say power. 
Do we not need power in this world today? Do we not need a power beyond ourselves to make it through? Yes, we do. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the world. You see, we need to take this exit this morning and we need to have the Holy Ghost power to come upon us afresh and anew. Let me say that again. We need to have the Holy Ghost power come up on us us fresh and anew. We need to take exit number one this morning. And on this exit, there is one place, one place. Hear me today. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit was Jesus and the Father. It was their idea. For those who would say to us today that the Holy Spirit is irrelevant, to those who would say the Holy Spirit stopped moving in New Testament times, hogwash, it was the design of the Father. He didn't just pour it out in that place to not pour it out upon us today. And the Holy Spirit experience is not confined to just Jerusalem It's not confined to just the upper room. As we read on here in Acts chapters 1 and 2, and I would encourage you today or sometime this week to read both chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Acts. It would be a good follow-up to today's sermon. But as we read here, and he told them to tarry and to wait, we see that many of them listened to what Jesus said. He appeared to some 500 of them, but only 120 of them actually listened to what he told them to do. But that 120 went to an upper room and they began to tarry and to wait for the promise of God. Can I tell us this morning that now more than ever, we need to find a place. It does not have to be an upper room. It does not have to be Jerusalem. It doesn't even have to be here in this building. But can I propose to us in these times in which we live, now more than ever, we as individuals need to find a place and tarry until we have an upper room experience once again. You say, Pastor, I have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Pastor, I have had an upper room experience. Well, that's good. That's great. But can I tell you, we need another moving of the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you that we make a mistake in our tradition, in our church tradition, We put so much emphasis on having a one-time experience and encounter with the Holy Spirit and then we have an encounter with him and then we just kind of move on. But we need to be filled over and over and over again with the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. We need an upper room experience. You see, there is a place for each of us. Can I just preach this morning? We need an upper room experience from the church house to our house. I cannot preach to this world around us. God didn't call me to pastor them. He called me to pastor us together. And the answer that this world needs starts with the church. 
Do you hear me this morning? It's easy for us to point our fingers at this group and that group, that politician, that government official. But if there's going to be revival in this land, it must start with God's people. And God's people must be empowered by the Holy Spirit to see it accomplished. We need an upper room experience from the church house to our house. Hear me today. From the church house to my house, we need an upper room experience. We need to see an upper room experience of of the Holy Ghost moving in the courtrooms to the classrooms. We need an upper room experience of moving of the Holy Spirit from Capitol Hill to Nortonsville. And anywhere in between. We need a Holy Ghost moving in the marketplace to Wall Street, to the banking system, all the way down to where you and I work. We need a moving of the Holy Spirit. I still believe that the moving of the Holy Spirit is the answer to every problem that we face and that we see. I don't know if I'm preaching good or not, but I'm sure spitting a lot this morning. <laughs> We need a moving of the Holy Spirit from our families to our churches to our communities. But it starts with us as individuals. You say, Pastor, put your mask on. (laughs) There's a place for each of us. And in this place of experience, a Holy Spirit experience. There is an endowment, hear me today, an endowment of power from on high. If we are going to thrive in this chaotic world, we need again to experience an endowment of power that is beyond ourselves. A power that makes us capable of doing things that we could not have done in ourselves. A power that gives us boldness to speak when otherwise we would have been quiet. A power that will give us comfort and counsel as we navigate uncharted territory. We need the power, the experience, and the endowment from on high. You see, he is an abiding presence. He is a controlling presence. We need to find our place. But not only is there one place, there is one people. One people. Look with me, please. Acts chapter 2 and verse 5 said this. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, watch this, from every nation. Everybody say every. Every nation under heaven. What I want to preach right here when I say one people is unity. Unity. You see, Pentecost the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was by design. It was by divine design. You see, God decided that not only will I pour out the Spirit here in a place where there are people living from all around the world, but I will also pour out the Spirit in this place during the time of the feast Now get this, during the time of the feast 
of Pentecost. In the time of the Feast of Pentecost, there were devout Jews who had come from all over the known world. Now get this picture with me. Get this picture of unity. God could have very well said, I want to find just a few, just a few chosen ones, and I want them isolated geographically somewhere, and I want to pour my spirit upon them. But that's not what he did. That's not what he designed. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit in Jerusalem because there are devout men from all over already living there. But also, I'm going to do it during the time of the Feast of Pentecost because I know there's going to be pilgrims, sojourners, travelers who have come into the city from all over the known world to be there for the feast. You see, this Holy Spirit blessing is for all people. Because we are all one people. Whether it be the church, whether it's the Baptists or the Methodists or the Pentecostals or the Presbyterians or the Brethren or the Westland, we are all one people under the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are all one people who are candidates for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us. You see, this Holy Spirit blessing, this endowment of power is for every nation of the world. Can I just preach here? God wants to pour his spirit out, come on now, on China. He wants to pour it out on Russia. He wants to pour out his power upon Iran and North Korea. You see, all the people that we think are enemies, God is saying, I want to pour my spirit out upon them. He wants to pour it out upon the USA, Canada, and Mexico, and all around this world. He wants to pour his spirit out on the Caucasian and the Hispanic. He wants to pour his spirit out on the Asian and on the African. I want to tell you, there is no room for discrimination in the endowment of power. He is for one people, all people, God's people, this world, the day that we live in. Every race, every tribe, every tongue, every generation, God wants to pour out his Holy Spirit power upon them. Oh, I'm just going to go ahead and preach this morning. Whether they're here in this country legally or here illegally, God wants to draw them to himself and pour his Spirit out upon them. Whether they're living morally or immorally, God wants to pour them to repentance and pour out his spirit upon them. Somebody ought to say amen this morning. Glory. Whether they're conservative or whether they're liberal, God wants to draw them to himself and pour out his spirit upon them. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened at a strategic place and at a strategic time. And I say, God, one more time, let your power fall upon us at a strategic place and at a strategic time. We as your people. Not only is there one place, not only is there one people, but there is one purpose. One purpose. Would you go with me to Acts chapter 2? Go down to verse 11 and 12 this morning. He has just gone through a list of all these different nationalities that were together on the day of Pentecost. All these nationalities. He's ending here with the Christians and the Arabs. But as you read uh, two or three scriptures on up above there, all these different nationalities that are there 
God has poured out the Holy Spirit upon those in the upper room. And there was a great stirring, a great moving, a great power. The Bible says that cloven tongues of fire set upon each of their heads. The Bible said there was a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. The Bible said that they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them, as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And here's what happened. All these people who had gathered together, they said this. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Can I tell us there... What the world needs more than anything from us right now as a church is for us to be enabled again by the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to speak the wonderful works of God, the wonderful gospel message, and to be able to do it in a way that they can understand it, in a way that they can comprehend it, and backed up by the power that is beyond ourselves. The power of the Holy Spirit. God, make us useful again. God, make the church useful again. God, make us relevant again. God, make us significant again. Don't let us be a place and a people where they pass by these grounds or they pass by you and I and we have nothing to offer them. We have nothing to interest them. They, they see us as irrelevant. We're just here taking care of our own little property. But God, help us to get and find our purpose again. Our usefulness in this world again. Backed up by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, I put it this way. Since we're on a road trip right now, any good road trip has a suitcase. I love packing my suitcase, don't I? I just got an eye roll. My wife packs my suitcase. They even made fun of me at youth camp because she packed up mine and put them in big Gladlock baggies and wrote Thursday, Wednesday, <laughs> Tuesday. That old smart Alec Travis Gore happened to come through my, my little cabin, saw me getting my Wednesdays out, told the whole staff at the staff meeting that I, all my stuff was bagged up in labeled baggies. <laughs> I need all the help I can get. But I'm talking about our road trip, and I'm talking about a suitcase that we might have. And if I'm talking about a suitcase we might have, and I would say, what's packed in your suitcase? Spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, what is packed in your suitcase on this road trip that we're on? First of all, I hope that we would have, and I'm talking about our purpose, I'm talking about our usefulness, I would hope that in our suitcase we would have love. I would hope that we would have godly love because the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, as children of God, that the Holy Spirit has been shed abroad in our hearts and in our lives. The love of the Holy Spirit has been shed abroad, painted abroad in our hearts, in our lives. And if we know God and we're walking in tune with him, there should be Holy Spirit-inspired love in our suitcases. And we should be shedding that abroad. We should be putting that out everywhere just as he's put it all over us and in us. What else should be in our suitcase? 
There should be power in our suitcase. We should know how